Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. We're so blessed you're joining us today, which is part two of a great two-part interview with our good friend, Doug Stebbleton. Now, Doug is an author and an author of a great book titled The Mother of Normandy and the producer of a great documentary film by the same name, which honors Simone Renaud, who lived through the German occupation and witnessed the 82nd Airborne and the 101st Airborne Divisions parachuting in their town on D-Day, June 6, 1944. Then after the war, she provided great relief and comfort to Americans back home by being their point of contact to, to where their loved ones were being buried. And, and Doug has just released an ebook by the same name, Mother of Nor- The Mother of Normandy. And folks, this is great. And I'm telling you, if you missed any of part one in the preceding episode, you need to go back and listen because Doug was describing for us where we left off heart-tugging stories that are included in the book and the documentary, and and we're going to pick up part two where Doug is explaining how the mayor of this little town near Normandy Beach started receiving thousands of letters from American families wanting information about their loved ones being buried in this little town called St. Marie Eglise. And the mayor's wife was Simone Renaud, right? But for right now, let's jump back into the interview with Doug Stebbleton as we discuss the mother of Normandy. St. Mary Glees, uh, t- uh, to put some temp- they put three temporary cemeteries there, actually two in St. Mary Glees and one about a mile away uh, in a little little uh, area called Blowsville, but they're all kind of part of the St. Mary Glees three temporary cemeteries. And there was anywhere from 13,000 to 15,000 soldiers buried there when it was all said and done. Yeah, They were there from 40, uh, 44 to 48. But he said, you know, the, these Western Union telegrams, came to the families back in America and they all said the same thing. We're sorry to tell you, but your, your son or your husband or whatever has been killed in the war. And he's buried in the town of St. Mary Glees. And um, basically that's what they said. We're sorry for your loss, that kind of thing. And, and so some families um, wrote a letter to the mayor of the town of St. Mary Glees, not knowing it was Alexander Renault. They just said attention, uh, Ale- uh, the attention mayor, attention mayor, St. Mary Glees. So they all came to the mayor. He said to his wife, Simone, uh, you know, they had three ch- children, right? And he said, these people, you know, lost their loved ones, their sons. We we must help them. And she says, I will, I, I will find their graves and I, I will, I will, I will do it. So mm-hmm. she went and found the, uh, these first few dozen that came in, found the graves uh, and did that, took it, put some flowers on it, took a picture. Now this is what, there was no grass. This is all dirt graves, right? Yeah, yeah. At the early stage, there was just dog tags on them before they even got a right. chance to spray paint the names of the, of the soldier on, on the cross or a star of David. And um, so that's what she did. And she put a little dirt maybe in there and maybe a couple of rose petals. And then she would write a letter of comfort to them. And so then this family back in America gets this letter and they go, wow, this is amazing. They got a picture, you know, they're what they're, uh, 
5,000 miles away. They can't go there. The war's still on. They can't fly there. They can't take a boat. Yeah. So to know that someone's there doing that for your son must have been yeah. an amazing thing. And, and, and in the letters, in the, in the Mother and Only book, we put some of the letters in there. You can see the real things that these families said, like, yeah. so thankful for your letter, what you're doing. And then, uh, then a letter, they sent a letter back to Madame Renault. Thank you so much for this and that. And now these letters start to go back and forth. And then <laughs> fast forward to July, about a month later, July 12th, Teddy Roosevelt Jr., the son of the president, was a, a brigadier general. He landed on Utah Beach with the 4th Infantry Division. Yeah. He uh, posthumously uh, was awarded a Medal of Honor after he died for what he did on the beach, helping the guys get he, off the he beach. He was the only general to take I, the I, Yes, I, I think you're yeah. right. The only, yeah. And, and, yeah. And the first wave, basically. And then, um, yeah. but uh, he had a heart attack about five weeks into the into the war, into the Normandy uh, uh, liberation invasion, uh, had, had, had a heart attack. And uh, they buried him in St. Mary Glees. So July 12th is when he died. They had his funeral on July 14th. And at his, at his funeral was, uh, attending his funeral was Omar Bradley, General Omar Bradley, General Patton, uh, uh, Lieutenant General Collins, who was, uh, I think, uh, I'm not sure what corps, but he was a big, big general. Uh, they they all there they were all there to pay their respects to Teddy and so what happened was uh, there was a Life magazine photographer named Ralph Morris who I, I met right at the end when I was doing that when I was doing finishing up the movie and I got to add his story in the movie but he was there his job for Life magazine was to fo- follow General Patton and the third you know the third uh, well you're 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 at Cavalry guys yeah. Uh, yeah. Was yeah. was third armored division? Third, I third think. armored division. Yeah. yeah, with all the tanks with uh, Patton. So that was his job. So he was in Saint Marguerite, and he got some pictures of Madame Renault, uh putting flowers on the graves. And all those pictures ended up in the Life magazine issue yeah. of August seventh, nineteen forty four. That was the picture that I saw in the when Andre Jean was turning. I said, "Who's the lady putting flowers on the grave?" Yeah. And so that's the famous picture. And then so after she was in, in Life magazine, then people all around America who were getting so that's these, what made her famous. Yeah, that's that that and yeah. basically the little caption at the bottom said this is Madame Simone Renault wife for the mayor of St. Mary Glees. Uh and she's keeping General Theodore Roosevelt Jr.'s, you know, the grave decked with flowers. And that was basically the gist of it. And uh, so now people are saying, Oh, this lady takes care of the graves there. So now she started getting letters directly to her. And so she dedicated her life to that for the last 45 years of her life. Uh for four years in St. Mary Glees, they had the the, the uh, cemeteries there. In '48, the the War Department decided to uh, exhume the bodies and either have them sent back to America to the families and to to be repatriated in their own cemeteries in their homes or possibly Arlington or wherever, or they could stay in French soil, but they would have to be brought down to Omaha Beach Cemetery, which is called the Colville Cemetery or the American uh, Normandy Cemetery. And so about 60% were, were brought back to America at the cost of the government, our government. And then about 40% stayed in French soil, but they were you know, reburied down there and repatriated in the Colville Cemetery. Um, she didn't want the, the mayor. They fought against America saying, don't take these cemeteries. These are our dead, our honored dead. They fought for our liberation. We want to honor them. But they said no. And then she said, well, just she's writing letters to Washington. Please leave one cemetery. And they said no. She said, please leave one soldier that we could honor. No. So so after they repatriated them, she would go down. She didn't have a driver's license. So she'd have somebody drive her down about 30, 30, 40 minute drive down to Colville, south of St. Mary Grace. And she would go there and uh, continue getting letters and finding new people to take care of the graves and honoring the ones that she was already honoring and there's whenever you see like an 82nd airborne paratrooper 101st airborne paratrooper in that cemetery there's about 9300 a little over 9300 uh, uh soldiers buried there 
and and you know and and navy guys i mean there was a lot of but there was a lot of army guys because of the the beaches and stuff but and the paratroopers but those guys that were 80s that on their graves this is 82nd airborne or 101st they were probably in those the cemeteries in same Eglise because that's where all that was happening you know it wasn't happening down at colville right and so that's kind of that's kind of the story and, and when i heard about it i said wow Andre jean i said has anybody made a movie about this story about your mom and dad he said I said, who knows about this? He said, well, just people in the military community, you know, that come to visit, but on a main, on a ma- major scale, not, not a lot of people. And I said, wow, I said, this, there needs to be a movie made about this. And, and so that's how that all started. And then I talked to Maurice who speaks very good English yeah. and Maurice really liked the idea. And I ended up meeting up with him about a month later in San Francisco when he was visiting and we uh, decided to move forward. And, and that's how, that's how the movie started. And that's how the story, I just was at the right place, at the right time. I thank God for just putting me at the right place, at the right time. Amen. And it's just an amazing story that I got to be part of help telling, you know. Amen. Amen. I know yeah. that, uh, you know, the, they, so there are no graves left in that town for the. No, Americans? they, no, they, they, um, yeah, they, um, cemetery number one now is a soccer field. Mm. Cemetery number two, where general Roosevelt was buried is now. Some of it's land, but some are they're you know have built buildings. I mean, it's like you know seventy yeah. years ago, so they're yeah. they're you know yeah they have some buildings yeah. over it. But and then and then the Blowsville one is it was originally farmland, then it was made into a cemetery, and now it's back to farmland. Oh it's, really? They're oh, just wow. farmland, yeah. 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 And yeah, but there's monuments there at each at each one of those. There's a monument saying how many were buried there and which like divisions they were from, and so yeah. they still honor them and and you know haven't forgotten oh, about them. Yeah. Their, their original resting place. What yeah. about uh, German cemeteries? Are there any cemeteries? There is German there soldiers? is a German cemetery. There are some German cemeteries. So there is one uh, not far from Saint Mary Glees. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the name of it. I've been there a few times. It's a lot different. You know, the, the, these the American cemetery in Normandy is very you know the their white granite or white. I'm not sure if it's granite, but they're beautiful you know, uh, crosses and stars of David and, they, and, the, and the grass is kept up good. And it's very, it's right by the ocean. The one in, in, in the German cemetery, you know, some of these, and they're only, you know, one body per, per grave in the American cemetery. Well, in the German cemetery, sometimes there's four bodies buried in one grave and they're little, little, little stubby kind of stones shaped in the, in the, in the, in the, in the like a cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it's a beautiful cemetery, but it's a little more gloomier, you know, it's, it's just, yeah. it's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And then on the, and on the way there, and there's thousands buried there and on the, on the, on the road off the freeway to get there, it's lined with tr- trees. And I was told that every one of those trees is for an officer that was buried there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's a lot of trees. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, in, so. in the book, is it Maurice that took over staying in contact with relatives of the GIs and things like that after his mother passed away? Yeah. After his mother passed away, well, Henri Jean was very, very involved because um, he he took over the pharmacy for his dad. Mm-hmm. And so he, he uh, I think in 66, his dad died and he took over the pharmacy and he was there for, gosh, 30 years doing that. But all, all, all the even though they're, they're regular jobs, his was pharmacy. Maurice was into a, he was a connoisseur for wine and did other things. And no, but they were always, they're always there. Uh, well, Jean lives in St. Mary East, but yeah, always getting letters, letters, always uh, it, having people come by. But during the D-Day week, uh, June, you know, first through the seventh or eighth, boy, they just, they're always having parties at the house, cocktail parties, honoring them. Uh, and it continues to this day. Uh, Madame Renault and Mayor Renault started, 
a thing called the AVA, the Americans Veterans Association. They started that in 45. And so that was to honor them, come back. So they do that every year since she died in 88. He died in 66. She died in 88. Yeah, the three sons have continued it. Paul died about five years ago, mm-hmm. but Maurice is, I think, 80, and Henri Jean is about 88, and yeah. they're still do- getting older, but they're still doing it. Maurice is the president of the AVA right now, Amen. and I'm going to be going there this, this June, and uh, they have a big banquet, and they have about 1,000 people show up for this banquet wow. um, to honor the, the World War II veterans that are still alive that come, but also the active duty soldiers. Yeah from the 82nd Airborne, uh, 101st, uh, the uh, Rangers, and they do a parachute drop to, uh, to re- in remembrance. And, um, and all those people are at this banquet and you get to just meet some amazing people. Real, everyone's a patriot, you know, they just love, yeah. love America and they love France, you know, and there's Amen. a lot of neat connections there. So, yeah. yeah. As the soldiers and families of that era pass away, has he noticed the falling off of interest in visitors and inquiries and things like that? Did he mention anything? Um, that's a good question. Um, from being, I didn't go the last two years because of COVID. It was hard to get, go there, but um, I haven't seen. It seems like there's. It, it, I don't think it's dwindled. It's at least the same or more. I was the seventy fifth was humongous. There's a lot of people there. Uh, the you know the off years like this year is mm-hmm. going to be an off year. This is the seventy eighth. Those are usually the best times to go. I've been going for twenty two years. Uh, I've, I've been to the sixtieth, the seventieth, and the seventy fifth. And there's so many people that come, which is great, but, you know, it really messes up that you can't, a lot of roads are blocked. And yeah. I was just talking to my brother, Steve, who came for the 70th and he came with his friend, Mike, and they did, and we were six miles from Omaha, yeah, from Utah beach. And he went, he, there's a museum there and he never got a chance to bring his friend Mike to Utah beach because uh-huh. he couldn't go because uh-huh. they're, you know, cause what happens during the, the, the main ones is the president's. Macron was there and uh, in the 70th, I think it was Obama. Trump was there in 70, the yeah. 75th. So they have so much security for the presidents wherever they're yeah. going. They literally block off roads. You just can't get certain places. So that's the only downfall of going on, on a major a decade. You know. Yeah. But uh, the off years, yeah, everything's pretty much open. All the roads, you can visit everywhere. So that's my yeah. advice if somebody's going. Yeah, go. Um, but uh, you can go anytime, you know, from, from you know, March and on. But I think the best time to go is during the D-Day anniversary week because it's like being in a time war from 1944. People are there's reenactors there. There's there's uh, little Willie's jeeps driving around. There's Sherman tanks driving around. There's half tracks. I mean, people from Holland come over there and all these reenactors. And it's really you really get a chance to see what it would have been like. Yeah. You know, it's pretty neat. There's a lot of ceremonies and. It's just an amazing time. Amen. It's a trip of a lifetime. Yeah, that, that paratrooper that got stuck on the church steeple. Uh, yeah. I think I, I seen or read, I can't remember right now, where uh, the mayor, uh, Alexander, and, and his son stayed at this guy's house when they visited the United yes. States. They became great friends and stuff, right? I bet that was a great reunion. Yeah, Maurice told me that. I think this was in 19, gosh, what year was this? This was, uh, well, I think it was like 61 or 62. And uh, yeah, the, the 101st Airborne invited Mayor Renault to come to their uh, reunion. So uh, Maurice said they, they, and Maurice got to go with him. He was like 20, 20 years old or something, 22. And uh, they went and they, they spent a month in America and they were on a Greyhound bus. He said, we had no idea how big America was until we were on that Greyhound bus. They were in Washington, DC. They were in Tucson, Arizona. They were in San Francisco. And uh, yeah, and they, and they went to North Carolina where John, uh, I believe it was North Carolina where John uh, Steele was from. And, uh, and Maurice said that he was a really nice guy. 
And they said, Marie said that he was an alcoholic because he said he was married at the time. And he said when they were spending time with John for a couple of days, they would they would drive down a road. And he said John would stop the car and said, hold on a second. He, he'd walk out to where the trees are and he'd come back with a bottle of scotch or something. He, he was hiding his whiskey out there. <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah, I know uh, Alexander got the uh, the key to, was it Wilmington, North Carolina? Yes, Wilmington, yeah. the key to the city. Key yeah. to the city, yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. there was a family called the Garibrandt family who lost their son on June 9th, and he was buried in the cemetery, and, and that was one of the early families uh, that, that reached out to, to Madame Renault, and, mm. and so there was a, they, they kept in touch all these years, yeah, and uh, I think they probably invited him to Wilmington. Uh, amen. Yeah, so... Amen. So how did the making of this film and the research for the book, how did that affect your perspective of the D-Day invasion? Well, um, I learned so much. Uh, I've always been a history buff and I've read a lot of books about World War II. Um, but, and I've, you know, my dad was actually in the Navy, but only two years right after World War II. So I've had some military people in my family, my dad and my uncle and my cousins. But, you know, when you're when you're meeting, I got to interview. It's really an honor for me to to get to interview these guys uh, uh, in person. I'd fly flew to I flew and interviewed Tucker in Cape Cod when I started doing the movie. I went down to Daytona Beach and built uh, Bob Piper, Bill Murphy, or I'm sorry, Bob Murphy and Don Lassen in Atlanta. So I got to go meet these guys uh, in 2005 and 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 had been friends with them. You know, unfortunately, a lot of them died about. 2009 around 2009 they start dying but i got to be friends with them and a lot of veterans uh since i've been going and so for me it's been uh i just learned a lot from their stories and and just got to know the veterans better and appreciate them even more after i've gotten to know them so it's been yeah it's been great for me to to be part of this movie and to, yeah. to, to help get the story out, but to meet some amazing people and new friends, new friendships. As June 6th is now upon us again, I believe there's a renewed interest. I pray there's a renewed interest in, yeah. in learning the behind the scenes activities of some of the heroes and heroines that supported the liberation of France and Europe, ultimately the defeat of, of Nazi Germany. How has your film been received? Oh, the film has been received really good. It, it continues. As I said, you know, it originally came out in 2010, uh, the the book and the film and <clears throat> since it's a history piece you know it does get older every year but it's history so the story doesn't get old it's just an right. amazing true story uh, unfortunately some of the people that are part of it are are dying which is normal but the story is is very inspirational shows how one lady can make a difference so one per, not yeah. just a lady but how one person can inspire people to do great things and good things and make the world a better place in in a time of you know bad taking something bad making good out of something bad the war and death and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it was received well. We, when we had the premiere, uh, it was at the, in the town, in the, in the town, uh, you know, where they have the mayor's office. Uh, it's called the, you know, the hotel, the bill is the, 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 I'm not sure what the, yeah, it's called, you know, the mayor's it's called the town hall, I guess. Yeah. And we had it there and we had like 300 people show up and it was neat because the, the Nazis, the Germans had that during the occupation and then when the 82nd number of paratroopers took it off, they took the Nazi flag down and put the American flag on it. So that's where we had the premiere. And it was, yeah. so we had to have two, two screenings because there were so many people that wanted to come and yeah. it was really well received. And, you know, St. Marguerite, which is where the mayor and Madame Renault were from, is literally a character in the film because it really, it deals with all of Normandy. But that, that little town is such a, it's really the epicenter for the Americans when people go 
to uh, Normandy. They're, they always go to St. Mary Glees. Carentan is right next to it. That's where the 101st guys landed. But uh, but the epicenter kind of has been St. Mary Glees. And I think it's because one of the reasons it was the first town liberated by the Americans in, in the Normandy invasion, yeah. but also because of the 1962 or 63 movie, uh, The Longest Day with John Wayne and Henry Fonda and Rod Steiger and all this big cast and Red Buttons playing the paratrooper that got caught in the church steeple, that town became famous because that's the town where the church was. And, uh, and, and I think that's part of it too. Yeah, 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 amen, yeah. amen. But, but yeah, the yeah. film was received well, and people still love uh, watching it and getting it. Amen. Yeah, I know when I was a cavalry officer, you know, I studied military history, and yeah, and that's continued to this day, especially World War II history. I mean, I'm a, you know, yeah. I got so much patent memorabilia. That, <laughs> I you bet. Know, and, you know, but I also believe if we don't learn from the lessons of history, then we yeah. are doomed to repeat history. And and in yeah. light of that. How can someone watch your video and purchase your book on the mother of Normandy? Well, um, to, to watch the video, uh, the, uh, the website is motherofnormandy.com, and that's Normandy with a Y. So motherofnormandy.com. On there, you can find there's a film trailer you can watch, about six minutes to get a little more of a gist of what the film looks like. Uh, you can buy the DVD there. Uh, there's also a hardcover book that you can buy. And uh, there, and, and then, I, as you know, just this month, I came out with a new ebook. So um, an ebook, which is you can watch on your, or you can look at it on your, you know, your laptop or your tablet. Uh, Kindle, it's a Kindle version, but it works in other different different ways. Um, and I believe, and it's also on Amazon. Uh, I would tell people to get it on Amazon right now because it's on sale at a discounted price for six ninety nine, which is really cheap for an ebook. Uh, the retail price would be uh, fourteen ninety nine, but that's not going to click until uh june 1st mm. but for the last three weeks it's been 6.99 so if somebody is interested i would suggest go to amazon and get it um, but you can always buy it through the website also uh the mother normandy site and that's where they could uh yeah uh, see it amen amen i'll put links to this down on the show notes below. oh thanks i appreciate Folks, this yeah. like i said i'm a i'm a world war ii history buff especially you know the military aspect of, of the invasion itself, the planning, the execution, and just knowing it as Doug alluded to these 17, 18, 19 year old boys yeah. who volunteered, right? I mean, they, when, yeah. when Pearl Harbor happened, they volunteered, they left the farms and they volunteered and here they are, you know, not even high school graduates, most of them. And here they are defeating Nazi Germany, yeah. protecting France, protecting Europe, invading the beach that had been reinforced. I mean, it just yeah. it, it's an amazing, amazing story. You need to get the book. You need to go watch and get the film because it will just I mean, it's a history piece. As Doug said, it's history, but it never gets old. Right. It does, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's exactly. And yeah. It, and I've seen it. I've, uh, it's just a, a, a fabulous piece of work, Doug. It is really well put together. And, and folks, you need to go down below in the show notes, click the links right there, get your copies. And if you know a veteran who's getting older, get this for them, get a gift for them, and then ask them, you know, get a camera ready, get a recorder ready, ask them to tell you their stories. They may not have been at Normandy, but I guarantee they got stories. Oh yeah. And even if, even if it's not world war two, it could be Vietnam. Sure. It could be Iraq, yep. but you know, these, these stories are part of a, one 
our history, but two, families, family yeah. history. Your dad, your grandfather, your uncle, they have stories to tell. A lot of times they've never told them to anyone. Right. And these are all things that, you know, you could pass down as heirlooms to your family. You know, but Doug, oh, it's just a great, great work that you've done. And I appreciate it so much just because of my military background. Yeah. But I know our listeners, folks, click the links, order your copies today. Doug, I just thank you so much, one, for putting all this together, but two, just taking the time to come and share with us on this program here. I do appreciate it so much. Bob, thanks. Yeah, thanks for letting me come on to talk about it. I really appreciate it. And again, yeah, thanks uh, for your service uh, in the Army all those years. I appreciate all you guys. Appreciate it. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. For Doug Stebelin and myself, this is Bob Tua reminding you once again to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.